The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, good morning. Did everyone have a merry, merry Christmas? All right. Well, I tell you, I sure enjoyed the rain last Sunday afternoon. That was some of the best napping material the Lord ever made. Then, uh, and and thank you all for your generosity and kindness to our family. Um, we just so many gifts, goodies, and uh, one gift in particular. I happen to love those little butter Danish cookies that come in the tin. Well, we received a tin of them, and I was so looking forward to them. Because back home, and you need to understand, back home this time of the year you put on weight to survive the winter. All right? Because it was cold. And I'm not going to talk about whether or not I've gained weight. But the fact of the matter is, you don't need to gain weight down here. You can't breathe. So... I've noticed and thought, well, I need to trim down, so I've, I'd left those Danish cookies rather untouched. And so I may have prepared, made a little provision for the flesh, and bought some strawberry cream cheese. And if you've ever had one of them little babies smothered in strawberry cream cheese, you've lived a good life. Well, I went in the kitchen the other day to get some and there were about nine left. Now what you need to understand is the ten came with 212. <laughs> and so I was like, boys, you know, have y'all been eating my cookies? And like, yeah, we've had a few. And I was like, no, 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 no. Everybody come here. We need to talk about this. Let's go through eating 200 cookies. One. Two. They ate all my cookies. So in my flight of discipline, there was about nine left, and guess what I did? You ate them. You eat them, folks. When you got boys, you do what you have to to survive. Do you understand? And so then I decided that I needed definitely to lose some weight. And so several have talked about this intermittent fasting, and I thought, well, that'll be good, especially as I prepare for a fast. And And so... Friday night I started, and it was misery. Um, I laid in bed for hours just thinking about food. In the food I couldn't eat. And that went from pickles to cheese to thinking about the cookies I had. Just, and it was amazing how much I was thinking about what I couldn't do. Then... Last night happened. It was my second night, and I've got this little app that's like, don't eat, dummy. And, uh, and then when it, I don't move enough, it's like, move. And it's really annoying. It's not worth the money. Don't buy it. And so anyway, I was laying there in bed, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. Well, it was about 10 o'clock when I decided I could no longer muster the discipline. And I remembered some frozen cheese sticks in the refrigerator. And so I happened to heat about 20 of them up. I have a little heartburn this morning. So, and I mixed my ranch 
and my Chick-fil-A sauce, now catch this, and some pickle juice in a little bowl, and I sat there, and I foundered myself on cheese sticks. And then I put my suit's been in my office for a couple weeks, and I don't know if this, this button's going to make it through the service. And so if I pass out, if one of y'all would just bring me your oxygen for a few minutes, I'll come back. But you know, we end the year, and we always have the best expectations, right? And in humanity, if there's one thing we do well, is procrastinate the best things, the necessary things. Whether that's from, man, we're, we're going to have the best marriage or the best relationship we've ever had. We're going to budget better than we've ever had. We're going to right, diet. We're going to take care of our bodies. And, and Scripture encourages certainly all of those things. Or this year, I'm going to improve my relationship with the Lord. I'm going to improve my knowledge of the Lord, my response to his leading. And here we are, last day of the year, we're really excited. And I would encourage you, if you're going to die, eat all you can today. Um, or starve yourself, you don't have memories of eating all you can. You do it your way, right? Um, and so I was thinking about, what, how do we begin the year? And a couple weeks ago, we discussed what I would call the strategic vision. Now, anytime you ask, what is the vision of the church? The church vision is never about a physical plant. The vision of the church should never be about buildings. It should never be about remodeling. The vision of the church should always be and never changes from the fulfillment of the Great Commission. That is what Christ left his disciples. Now when we talk about strategy or we begin reaching people and we need facilities and it is not true if you build it they will come. Uh, this is not a movie. If you go get them, if you win them to Christ, they will come. And so when we talk about vision, the strategic vision, and I want to give you a heads up, next week there will more than likely be a coffee table out there as you come in for worship. And you are welcome to grab a cup of coffee and um, bring it in. Just put the little lid on it. We've ordered cups and lids. We'll also have a B12 um, bar just to keep you awake, vitamin B12, so you just pick yours. Um, and let's get through the service. I love it when people are awake and excited, right? I mean, trying to get you folks going a little bit. Just a little. Help me. Um, so we're going to go back and look at the Great Commission this morning. And I don't believe I've preached on this in my time here. And so when we discuss vision, when we talk about planning, friend, our highest priority is to each and corporately, individually and corporately, be involved in the direct fulfillment of that Great Commission. So if you would, turn in, you didn't think I was going to give you the text, did you? Matthew chapter 28, because that is how I roll. Matthew 28 and verse 16. Just look at a few verses this morning. Uh, we read them last week at our Christmas Eve candlelight service. And thank you all for being here. Um, I apologize, maybe it went a little bit longer than what some had planned for. Um, but I, I really enjoyed our time together, the intimate setting and just the sweet spirit of the church. Uh, so, again, the mints were out there this morning. I hope you enjoy them. The coffee is coming next week. Again, and let me address one more thing that someone asked me about, and that's if someone shows up in a hat. Please leave them alone, okay? Um, whether someone or not shares that conviction or not, we don't police each other in, in worship, Okay? Um, I'm not asking you to wear a hat, okay, no, by no means, but do not offend someone, um, please. I know it, whether it's right or wrong, if you come to my house and you don't take your shoes off, 
we don't. But I'm not going to ask you to. Um, does that make sense? You know, we've got, we got to give a little bit of freedom to folks in their relationship with the Lord. And again, this is not the sanctuary. Okay, you are as the body of as a believer, and the body of Christ is the believer in, in the church universal, but not the building. So here we don't we're not going to get excited about buildings. They're built for people. They need to be used to reach people. Okay. All right. So here we are in, in the last portion of Matthew and the last portion of 2023. And I'm going to ask if you would stand out of recognition for His infallible, inerrant Word serving as the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. And God's Word said, <clears throat> says, present, The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw Him, they worshipped. But some, what's it say? Doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have in this assembly. And this assembly wouldn't be just a practice of discipline, but a practice of desire. That our hearts would yearn to be in the presence of our brothers and sisters and lift up that name of Jesus Christ, your name, dear Lord, that draws every man and woman unto himself. And so I pray that over the next few moments we'll be encouraged. Lord, your word is always, always encouraging and always inspirational, even when conviction is involved. But Lord, for any of my brothers and sisters who come here with any degree of shame, Holy Spirit, I, I pray you would remove that emotion because it does not come from your Holy Spirit. That no one here would leave feeling defeated or distraught, but absolutely dependent on the grace, the mercy, and the love of our sweet Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is in that name, your name, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, we pray 2024 will not be a common year that we'll live wishing, thinking that things should have been different or feeling defeated in any capacity, but inspired and encouraged to a life of righteousness. It is again in that powerful name, King of Kings, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Be seated. A few things I want you to see this morning. I hope you'll walk with me. As you prepare and plan, and again, there's many, many beneficial, healthy, even arguably spiritual desires you could have for this year, and we'll address them, Lord willing, as the, the year unravels. But first, I want you to see in verse 17, let's go back to 16 first, then the, the 11 disciples traveled to meet Jesus. You could say, much like a worship service, when they saw him, they worshiped. But it says, some doubted. So as the new year approaches, you know, surrendering to faith, which is the belief that Jesus is and that He's worthy. So if I believe, if I really believe that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, if I really believe that this is His infallible, 
inerrant word and that these are also his commands. Can y'all say commands? Commands. If I believe that, then there's a bit of an issue with those things not coming to play out, coming to reality in my life, right? Now, when I ate those cookies, I had full knowledge that those babies were not going to be beneficial, but enjoyable. And so when we go through life, there's decisions we make. And so this year, it's just what we do. It's what we're trained to do. We begin to practice, okay, what do we need to do differently? I would tell you to do this every day. And remember, the, the thing, the reason I think we excuse sin, or the reason I do, is because I almost like to put myself in a situation of doubt. Well, God, God may see, but He really won't judge, He won't discipline me because of His grace and mercy. Well, we've talked about the attributes of God and that God is and when we say God is, the scripture, as believers, when we say God is merciful, it's more than that. That's used as like an adjective. And I don't know, know this goes against most English or language rules, but I really don't use English language right anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's more of a noun that God is merciful. He is these things. These are not just descriptions. It's who he is. So just as God is merciful and gracious, and so I doubt that he's going to discipline me, there's my justification. It says some of the disciples doubted. They doubted that Jesus was really who he says he was, that he had actually risen. They were going with the intention of being disappointed in the very presence of the almighty King of Kings. Does that register? They were going in doubt. How many times do we show up on Sunday morning in doubt that God's going to move? And I love fireworks. I didn't realize how redneck. Y'all ain't just Cajun. You redneck, all right, with all these firework things showing up. Y'all look for any reason to pop a... Well, y'all don't have bottle rockets, do you? You do? Because I couldn't find them at Fourth of July. Now, some of y'all are misleading me. Some of y'all saying you got bottle rockets. Some of you saying you don't. And if you do... Tell me where you're getting them, all right? I don't mind to break a law or two over a bottle rocket. But yeah, we show up, and, and I would just say, if we showed up expecting God to move, how the environment would be different. How the excitement would be different. You know, it's like when you, I like to eat. When you warm up a pizza in the oven, y'all ever do that? I'm not a big frozen pizza, but they're cheap. So we warm them up, and then the smell fills the house. And I catch myself just lingering close to the source. Because if the pizza's not good, the ranch will be. And if the ranch isn't, then the pound of Parmesan grated cheese I put on it will be. So I don't come to the kitchen with doubt. I know not only am I going to get fed, but it's going to be something that I enjoy. And so for church to be beneficial, I would ask, do you enjoy it? And if you don't, then what is it you're doubting about it? Because God said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. 
Right? So that's a commandment. And so where in our lives do we say, all church isn't that important? Right? If that's a command, then what has become more important than the infallible, inerrant word of the Almighty? Or is it that we doubt it's that big of a deal to Him? You know, when I tell my kids, don't ever eat all of my cookies again. That's exactly what I mean. Do you understand? I never again expect one of y'all to buy me 212 cookies and only get to eat nine. Does that make sense? That was a family meeting. I laid down the law. That's what Big Daddy does up in here. That's what my family calls me. So, God takes the time to tell us what to do, and then we say, I doubt that's that big of a deal. God tells us to take take steps of faithfulness. He tells us, go to church, it's not that big of a deal. I give you the whole week to do what you want, and most of us do, but one hour? I mean, just most of us would be making a tremendous step... Maybe you work Wednesday night. Maybe maybe there's other things Sunday night. God actually doesn't micromanage how many times we worship. Sunday nights were actually invented for farmers who needed to work in the fields. So it would give them an opportunity to bring their tithes on Sunday night. Okay, Sunday school was invented as a way to teach farm children how to read. Because the public school systems were not always accessible to the children in the area. So if you're asking me, do you have to come to church three, three opportunities a week to be in faithful service or surrender to the Lord? No. We cook these things up. But should you be in church every week? The answer is absolutely yes. And so first I would say going into the new year, you got to figure out what is what is the justification for the sin you condone. Now we can come up with medical justification, even to some degree religious justification, but there is no spiritual justification for sin in our lives. And the difference is religion is a construct. Spirituality is about a relationship. We've, I mean, this has been an issue over Christianity for some time. Removing religion, um, legalism from the relationship. And, and so, first, I'd encourage you to deal with your doubt. Process what's in your life that shouldn't be, how you're justifying it, and then realize you're doubting. Because if he is, and he is, Right? He is not just, this is another interesting, he is not just gracious and merciful and kind and just and loving. And when I say he is those things, what I mean is, again, it's more like a noun, but even farther than that, we only know these things from his expression to us. We know love because he first us. So our whole understanding of these attributes come from the revelation of God Himself. All I know of love is how He's loved me. 
How my mother, father, family loved me is how He loved them. So we've got to understand and not limit. So in saying that, when I doubt the Lord, it begins a process psychologically. I'm going to come up with a new word. Physio-spiritually. You want me to spell that for you? I don't even know, but it's a cool word. So it begins a process in your life that allows you, if you can question the King of Kings, what can you not question? If you question whether or not His command is in fact a command, then what can you not question? I mean, I'd, I'd go this far. If you don't question that, you can question whether or not gumbo's good. That's right on. Oh, that's right up in y'all's face, ain't it? <laughs> don't you be talking about my gumbo. Anyway, let's keep going. So, I'd encourage you to consider what is your realm of justification? I mean, any change you're going to make in your life, you have to have a plan for. Do you understand? You heard that old statement, failing to plan is planning to fail. There's no difference in your spiritual life. There's no difference in your marriage. You've got to plan, and to carry that plan out requires discipline. And discipline is going against the desires of the flesh. So, let's keep going. So, one, deal with doubt. And that's as a church, too. As we go forward in the future, um, we're, we're going to wrap all this back up with the church. Let, let me, let's deal individually first. Let's go to number two. Verse 18. Let's go back to 16 and catch it all again. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, what's the next two words? All authority. Now, when we have our meeting, and I, I look at the children, and I say, listen, Big Daddy's talking. I'm your, Luke, I, I'm your father. I have the authority in this situation to explain exactly what's about to happen. And if you don't like it, you can take your hiney and get out. I'll kick them out. No, I just make them sleep in the garage. So he pulls them together, and what does he do? In light of the doubt, and of course he knew there was doubting, right? He's, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. And so he reminds them, listen, disciples, I... I didn't just bring you here to talk to you. I brought you here to remind you, I'm going to say a few more things before I ascend. And first is that I need to remind my own disciples that I'm the boss. All authority. Meaning every earthly authority, every earthly power has been ordained by the sovereignty of the king. I'm not saying they operate in his will, but everything operates in his favor. 
Because all things work for the good of those that love Him, those that are the called according to His purpose, and His purpose is ultimate glorification in eternity, which means He wins. All glory and honor belong to Him. And so not only do we doubt, but Christ confronts the doubt. His disciple, and you notice he didn't get offended, and he didn't even reprimand, he just recognized. Hey, I'm the king. Let me remind you boys, before I say this, and so we get this hindsight, before I give you this, I need to remind you who said it. And that's the one, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who has been given all authority. I say a lot sometimes jokingly, but I'm not. It's His world, you just live in it. He ordains, He superimposes, or He uses directly the rebellion of all of creation to His glory and honor. And so one... We've all doubted. We've all pretended that His power didn't exist to justify or get away with whatever we want. The words we use, the attitude we have. Second, the challenge this year is to remove rebellion. So, when God tells me not to do something... And I recognize that he told me not to do that thing. And then I go and do that thing. Do you realize that's direct rebellion? I mean, that you, when you see that in the kids, that's, that's worth a whooping, isn't it? Not that I whoop my kids. I actually, I beat them. But, um, I haven't whooped my kids. They're good kids. Um, I don't know. It's been a been a couple days. Uh, just kidding. They're teenagers now. I don't whoop them. We fight, right? We got some boxing. Just kidding. We don't do that either. Don't call PETA or whatever who it is called when someone's abusing their kids. <laughs> I know it's not PETA. I just threw that in there. That guy who's an idiot. No, I'm kind of smart. Remove rebellion. So not only am I doubting that God is going to discipline me, I'm completely ignoring it. So, Jesus says, hey boys, come here. I know you've been doubting, and I know you've been living, and this is what doubting is. I know you've been living like it's not true, right? And so boys, things are getting a little bit out of hand. So I'm going to call you right back up in here. Before I head to heaven, we're going to have one more little meeting. Now I need to remind you, some of you's doubting, that's fine. But there ain't no place for that. If you can remember your salvation in the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, there's never room for doubt. But there's a human justification for it. It's humanism. So, here it is, guys. You're doubting. Now, I want to remind you, all authority has been given to me. If I took the time, and how many times do we say this to our kids? If I took the time to tell you something, that's what I meant. Mean. However you want to say that. Well, so, 
I just tell you, go down and write down the areas of your life that you're just living in rebellion. Friend, if, if church isn't a priority, you're rebelling. I know this doesn't make preachers popular, but if you're not giving to the Lord, you're rebelling. You know, I can't change God's Word. Do you understand that? And you not doing it's not going to change it either. His word and his commands are there. You can doubt his power or you can live in direct rebellion. But then he goes farther. Because you know what? There's a lot of us that attend church regularly. I mean, let me just throw this out there. What if, the, what if I just decided I was just going to come every once in a while? You ever thought about that? What if y'all found out I didn't give, didn't tithe? What if y'all found that out? Well, it's none of our business, preacher. It should be. Would you want a pastor that doesn't tithe? Would a pastor want a bunch of church members that don't? You see? Why is it different for me? Because I like to party and fish on Sunday mornings too! I'm just kidding. I, I don't know where that came from. So deal with doubt, remove rebellion, and lastly, this one's kind of tough. A lot of us do a lot, of the, a lot of good things, but does it lead to the direct fulfillment of the Great Commission? How many people have you led to the Lord? You know, me and Jeanette started a date, and I don't know if I ever told you all, but she wouldn't go out to dinner with me the first time. I was kind of upset about that. She goes, I'll go to lunch. You know what lunch is. It's like halfway to supper. Who gets a kiss on the front porch at lunch? You know, so I was like, okay, fine. So we took a really romantic trip to the smokehouse, and we fed the sheep. The whole place smelled like sheep. It was sweet. It was a neat little thing. And, and I watched her feed the sheep. Um, and then we got in our separate cars and drove away. I thought, well, that was awesome. <laughs> it was fun. After that, she chased me like a wild animal. But that first one was tough. But, man, we started dating. I carried that little picture everywhere. You know, back when we had wallets and actual pictures in them, I had it on the quick flip. Know what I'm saying? All I had to do was flip it like this, and there she was. You know, people see what you live for. They really do. And so I feel like part of our response to the Lord when we get there is, (sighs) He's going to say, well done. Or, if He, God doesn't lie. But when he looks at you, he's going to see his son. Okay? You're under his blood. So your blessings there will only be blessings that you achieve by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we can claim no accomplishment. But I think one of the questions, it has to be, why didn't you think enough of me to tell anyone else about me? How many of you ever got a new car and... There ain't nothing like that. Kicking back that, rolling some tunes, 
No, y'all haven't got a new car? Feel really dumb. Man, you want, you want, it's just nice, right? You're proud of it. One of the things I'm really proud of is when I finally organized my closet. Um, and I can find a pair of underwear in less than 15 minutes. I feel like a productive human being. So we've got things that we're proud of. And so when I stand before him, let's just consider that. He died on the cross for my sins. He told me everything I needed to know to navigate this fallen world. He gave me all the strength and power, the perseverance I needed to handle it. Not just physically, but emotionally, relationally. He saved my soul from the depths of an eternal hell. That's what the scripture says. And yet, I have never shared my love of Jesus with someone. Do you understand that's not going to make any sense in eternity? So he comes to him and he says, okay, guys, you've been, you've been doubting some things, more or less, is what's going on. And even those who hadn't been doubted, I still doubting, I still need to remind you. I still need to remind you, I, get, I revealed myself to you in our revelation today is the presence of the Holy Spirit, his leading in Scripture. You've had all the information you've needed to have a relationship with me that's successful, productive, and spiritually beneficial. There's no excuse. The only excuse you may have is ignorance, but it's by your own choice. And I told you. I mean, he's, he's got the disciples together for one last, one last meeting, and he says, guys, I've taught you how to live. Now go tell others. And you know what the definition of maturity when we from a scientific perspective is often the point of reproduction. Now, when we come to speak of things spiritually, I believe the point of maturity is when you have the faith, the conviction, the courage to lead someone else to the Lord. I think the statistics tell us that 98% of people have never led anyone else to the Lord. And I'm not asking you about bringing them to church. That's a good step. But you will not share a faith. Listen, we're about to close. You will not share a doubt, a faith that you doubt. You know it? But if it's something you know is certain and true, you'll talk about it. And so going back, the first step, I think, to any of us achieving any spiritual aspiration or responding to God in a faithful fashion would be the doubt's got to go. You're not going to serve something faithfully you doubt. You're not going to share something you doubt. And if you doubt him, why would you? Well, maybe there's been unnecessary pain in your life. Lost a child, lost a spouse, lost a parent too early, physically, sexually abused. And so you doubt whether he loves you. You doubt whether he keeps his word. And let me just, the best I can do with that. God didn't cause those things. 
sin did. Bad people did. Now you know he's going to judge, right? And I have lived with bitterness over situations. And it is a pit and a well that you don't find your own way out of. And here's the, even if someone you love passed away unfairly or unjustly, when the Lord says vengeance is his, do you know who brought sin into this world? The deceiver. And do you know who's going to be bound in the lake of fire for a thousand years and then for an eternity? Oh, friend, his vengeance for his love for you will know no end. There is no possible pain you can bring someone that God cannot equal or match, but in a loving way. See, justice has love. Revenge does not. Anger. God doesn't, God doesn't punish necessarily with anger because you've got to balance that with grace and mercy. So whatever you're, the reason is, your doubt, you're doubting. Let me first say it's okay. You live in a fallen world and you're a human being. You weren't created to lose anyone. You weren't created to be hurt. That's not why God created you. But it's not okay to keep doing it. So I would encourage you to get help. Friend, if, if you're battling depression, that is a form of doubt. Because it's a cycle, psychological spiral of you've lost control. And it's okay. So get help. God's not against medication to help, but friend, medication is the beginning, not the end. And so whatever reason it is, and I'm not telling you all to do that, what I'm saying is each one of us have a very unique situation. And Christ came to redeem each situation. No one is better than the other. No one is above the other. It's just different. And so, whatever doubt, deal with it. Whatever anger, deal with it. Now let's look at marriage. We've been watching all the episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond. And um, I don't approve of the language in it. Um, I forgot actually how much there was until you pay attention to it. Um, and that they make light of a lot of hardships in marriage. And I, I tell people in counseling, marriage is the hardest blessing in this earthly life. But if marriage has been hard or your marriage is awkward or struggling right now, it's okay. Just don't stay there. Get help. Fix yourself. Don't critique and don't hurt the other person. Your anger is your problem. Your bitterness is your problem. But man, can it be destructive. So, God says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. This old world will beat you up. Jesus is the one. Bring your burdens to him, he says. For his yoke is easy. So whatever we carry, we choose to carry. 
Lord, as we come to a time of invitation, of honesty and transparency before the Holy Spirit, Lord, we've all doubted You. I have in an abundant fashion. Doubt does not offend You, but it certainly harms our relationship with You. Lord, my doubt doesn't surprise You. You're infinite. The disciples didn't come to Jesus there and tell him they were doubting. He knew. And he didn't reprimand the doubt. He explained why they shouldn't. Lord, your discipline is so kind and gracious, so benevolent and merciful. And so whatever reason we've been doubting, whatever reason that we carry, whatever anger, whatever wall we've built, just to say, Lord, I doubt you because of this. Whatever that is, Lord, help us all to deal with it. We all live in the same world. We've all gone through some form of hurt, pain, trauma, And so, Lord, I pray we'd just be honest. I pray that I could be honest with you. And Lord, losing a child, that, that wasn't my idea. And I still don't understand it. But in times we don't understand, may we ask for grace. Lord, one day you'll hold us and explain. But Lord, until that day, dear Lord, help us trust you. So the disciples, you addressed the issue. You didn't reprimand them. Our our doubt does not surprise you. While sin is offensive, questions are not. So Lord, I pray this morning over the next days, weeks, months, the next year, that whatever it is that's keeping us from just trusting you, that you'd reveal it, Holy Spirit. And we, we don't necessarily have to tell anybody else, but Lord, deal with it in our hearts. And then, Lord, that we would understand the Great Commission. That you call them to a point of faith, reminded them of who you are, in an effort to empower them to be sent. So, Lord, I, I pray that our relationship with you is so passionate and so powerful that we cannot help sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. And Lord, I cannot wait to hear the testimony of the folks that have led someone to a saving knowledge of my Savior, my Jesus. And it is in the name, that name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, friend. and. For those who may not be able to kneel at the altar, you're welcome to come sit on the front pew. I'm here. I would be honored to pray with you, but I'm just a preacher. I'm not a priest. My prayers don't get any closer to heaven than than any of yours. Again, I'd be happy to join you in prayer, um, but I'm going to be up here in the front row. If you need anything, come talk to me. If you need anything this week, holler. And friend, I'm going to ask you this question before you go. How are you starting 2024? Are you starting it as a Christian? 
or a person who's scared of hell. And you know, in that statement, God didn't die on the cross for you to be afraid. And, and I also want you to understand, Jesus is not just get out of hell. Jesus is a relationship with him. And that requires determination, perseverance, passion, a constant pursuit. And if, if there's anyone here this morning that has a desire to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, again, you come down, just stand by me. I'm not going to point you out, I'm not going to call you out, nothing like that. Or holler at me this week, I'll take you breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever time you got for me, I'll, I'll take. Lord, again, you move, Holy Spirit, you have the power and the freedom in this room to do as you will. The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.